human beings and welcome back to apartment 303 a podcast for community fans my name is dave and alongside my co-host adam we are here to discuss all things community each and every layer of the show and why we love it so freaking much later in today's episode we will be interviewing darshan solomon who many of you know as dave from seasons five and six before we get to that however adam and i are going to be discussing the underknown or underrated characters from the show, with a substantial amount of assistance from our Twitter followers. So, without any further ado, let me reintroduce my co-host, Adam. I normally start by asking how you've been, but I think going forward, the question is, where have you been? And what have you been up to, my friend? All good questions, and I'm happy to answer them one at a time. I am going to work backwards here. I'm currently in Waco, Texas, which is not a place I ever thought I would necessarily be, but turns out most of the Walmarts in the United States have Wi-Fi that you can bum off parking real close to the building. So that's where I am now. Uh, and I've made my way from, uh, of course, going south through Indiana, Tennessee, Kentucky, as well as Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana. I think that's, I think that's all of the places that I've at least gone through at this point. That's awesome, man. Since we last recorded, I have been in one state and one city. I have left my office, though, and gone into the rest of my house. I have gone to the workout room at my apartment complex, uh, which is a one-person workout room, so you don't have to worry about all of the kind of stuff you might at a health club. But I'm very glad that you are roaming free while I am holding things down here in the studio. And I'm very, very excited to get to our topic for today. Typically, we do episodes where we touch on at least two topics, you know, just to keep it fresh. But we had so much response from you guys on Twitter, and we're so lucky to be able to get Darsan Solomon to come on today that we really just needed to push our secondary concept into uh, a future episode. So today, we are really going to be focusing on the underknown, underrated characters from the show. Uh, I know last month, Adam, you made a very compelling case for why Jeff was the most important character in the show, and you know it's been close to my heart that we provide perspective on on the whole spectrum here of characters. So it was very natural to start with Jeff because at the end of the day, I think it's pretty easy for me to see that your case was solid. He is the foundational character and the most important character in the show. So I really wanted to swing the pendulum to the the other extreme this month, and rather than necessarily do a huge deep dive into one character, I wanted to start the conversation of all of the characters who might be all of these things, underknown, underappreciated, things of that nature. So I will digress here and pitch it to you. I don't know if you want to start by setting some criteria or just throwing out some people. But uh, yeah. we've got a lot to get to here. So where, where, where do you want to start this thing? Yeah, let's talk criteria first. I think that's an important place to start. And you can feel free to disagree with me if you want. And I'm sure folks on Twitter will because that's what Twitter is for. But for me, a minor character is someone who is not in the Greendale 7, which is important. They're not in the study group at any point. Um, so that would, for me, preclude characters like Frankie or Elroy who join uh, at the end. I guess by that definition, it would also preclude Buddy since he was briefly in the study group. But that might be a, I might need to iron that out a little bit. Anyone who's been in the study group for more than an episode, I guess. I'm glad you bring up the an episode concept because when I started to try to establish some criteria here i immediately went full abed trying to figure out nicholas cage it was very unhealthy uh, i divided into like seven tiers and realized that was not a healthy or constructive place from which to start but but there are some lines that even after reflecting i feel are important you mentioned one of them anyone in the greendale seven or the study group it should obviously be thrown out i do think there's kind of a a b tier of that people who are in the study group 
at various points or characters who are there for, you know, um, many episodes in a row over the course of a long period of time, stuff of that nature. But I want to work down that list because below that, you know, you have people who are recurring characters but are clearly minor characters. People like Garrett. Um, yes. People like Neil. People like Vicky, I feel like, really solidly define that next tier of people who were never in the study group, but they're in most of, or if not the entire show. There are minor characters, but they are important. If you're asking people to list minor characters, they come up right away. So where I really started to try to struggle to differentiate was below that tier, you've got kind of the space where you have cameo people, people who've appeared in one episode. Right. And for my process, I kind of threw all of those people out because that list is huge. Yeah. And I feel like we will get there at some point, but I want to save that. And before we get there, I want to talk about characters who weren't just cameos, weren't just in one episode. They were in multiple episodes, but never really reached that level that I just discussed. You know, didn't really reach the level of Garrett, of Vicky, of Neil. They weren't persistent minor characters throughout the entire show. So divide the tiers however you want. That's kind of where I'm focusing on for this. Uh, you know, people that were in more than one episode but weren't really established regular characters, even in a minor way throughout the entire course of the show. Makes sense. Uh, we've mentioned a lot of the one-off characters, and I, I do want to revisit that topic, but I feel like it needs to be its own topic for sure if we want to keep this episode under 10 and a half, 11 hours. So I, I want to get to some of our Twitter suggestions because I did pitch this question to um, our followers on Twitter recently, but before we get too far into that, I wanted to see if there was anyone you wanted to advocate for before we get their suggestions. I'm going to hold my... I, I'm going to keep you everyone... Would, you yeah, would. I would. I would. <laughs> Genius. All right. I, I do not nearly have the level of self-control or, or payoff denial that you do. So I, I, there are a couple of things that I want to get out before we bring in the masses here and, and kind of start trying to, to sift through that. I wanted to approach this from a, from a couple different ways, and, and I'm kind of bookending the show because... You know, having rewatched the whole thing, there's a character on either end of the show that I feel really passionate about. On the front end of the show, I'll be the first person to argue for Rich. And uh, I think Rich fall, solidly falls into that category of people who were in multiple episodes, but were never really regular enough to be a consistent minor character. But every line he delivers in the show makes me laugh. There are many times in the show where they bring people on to temporarily act as a foil to Jeff, but the character of Rich is such a complete, comprehensive uh, uh, anti-Jeff that every time I see him in the show, I appreciate it, and I just... I, I wish that he had been given the opportunity to come in up into that next tier and, you know, be in more than half a dozen episodes. Whatever, I know it's just because how much you love his kettle corn. He wooed you with the kettle corn, and you're, yeah, no. I, I heard what you said. I just don't believe it. You're not going to contest that, huh? You just think that he... Oh, I love Rich. Rich is incredible and provides one of my, you know, it's hard to, to pick a set number of favorite moments from Community, but when Jeff runs through the rain and that of course gives the name to Ludwig Gorns and score running through raining and it's set up to where you think he's running to go talk to Annie and confess his love he pretty much does that and he the lines that he delivers you know like you don't know exactly to whom he's speaking and then the reveal is it's rich and then he convinces rich that he has to help Jeff become a better person he says we well, got me there guy that's magical yeah that's one of my favorite scenes from that season if not from the series uh in its entirety you know and like i've said they've they brought people on to foil jeff uh, more so as the series goes on but that was the first one and it was in my opinion the best one it, they did a good job of bringing back some characters later in the series that only appeared early in the series unfortunately rich wasn't one of them but uh i will forever be in that camp and be eating his kettle corn uh, all the way home, that's for sure. I, 
couple of years back was just watching TV kind of randomly. And I'm pretty sure he was in like a Honda commercial or something like that, which is wild that it's not the guy who played Honda. I was going to say, um, I sure it wasn't Subway. <laughs> I don't remember. Wow. Talk about a rabbit hole right there that we just stepped into. Um, I don't remember what the commercial was for, but it was rich and whatever the product was, I was so much more likely to buy it in that moment just because it was rich. I feel like later in the show, I think Dean Pelton and Abe did some commercials for Honda. They did, and they were spectacular. <laughs> they were they were pretty meta from my recollection. I haven't watched them in some time, but uh, I definitely remember getting a good laugh. So I don't think many people would debate me hard against Rich. I kind of partially expected you to, to come out with some devil's advocate BS. I'm glad you didn't feel compelled to do that. So let's, let's head to the opposite end of the show. I know I've kind of spoiled things by telling people that later in the show we will be interviewing Darshan Solomon, uh, the actor behind Dave from seasons five or six. But a big part of the reason we're doing that is because of the fact that in preparation for this topic and this episode, uh, you know, Adam, that I'm a huge fan of Dave from the later years of the show. Um, and it's a big part of what motivated us to reach out to him and see if we could get some per- perspective from him on the show. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of that later, and I'm very excited to do so, but uh, I would be very remiss not to mention him off the top of the show because that is very much how we ended up where we are here today. So there's one more person I want to mention, and it ties directly into the feedback that we've been getting on Twitter because I pitched this question, and one of the first responses that we had was from one of our friends, J Money Malone, uh, Jeffrey Malone on Twitter. And he said it's got to be the Seinfeld lunch lady. And it, very recently, I think, we, you know, we talked about the pilots and all that stuff. And I think you even mentioned the line where Jeff is standing at, at the lunch counter and, you know, this random lunch lady asks him if he's predisposed to pay for his tacos, Seinfeld. So when I first read this, that was my assumption. He was referring to her as the Seinfeld lunch lady because of that line where she right. literally calls Jeff. Seinfeld. So I did a quick Google search, and I was like, oh yeah, Seinfeld lunch lady from Community. And it turns out, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I will do so, she was actually in an episode of Seinfeld. I'm ashamed to admit that because... What? Yes, outside of Community, Seinfeld is one of my three (laughs) favorite shows of all time. I've seen every episode a million times. Patricia Belcher, uh, the actress who plays the lunch lady there... She's mostly known for her role in Bones. She's been in every commercial ever. Is literally in an episode of Seinfeld called The Pie. And this just blew my mind in all of the awesomest ways because I'm a huge fan of Patricia Belcher. I'm a huge fan of Seinfeld, and I had not made that connection before. I don't know if they took that into account when they wrote the line, but whether they did or didn't, that is just so great. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It, again, makes you wonder. It's kind of like having Chevy play Paul Simon and refer to Vaughn as as Garfunkling him when Chevy was actually in the music video for a Paul Simon song. That's brilliant if they're connected, but just a a terrific happenstance. We've got a lot of great feedback, but that first response really, really took it to the next level for me. And I knew right away that this was going to have to be brought up on the show. I'm so glad. Yeah. And thanks Jeff for bringing that up. Wow. That's uh, what a find. What a find on a random day of the week. Yes, very good find. So uh, I know you said you're, you're still holding out. I, I, I would like to, at this point, mention some other suggestions that we got from Twitter and see what your thoughts on those suggestions are. All right, let's do it. Okay, so Professor Professorson, <laughs> 10 out of 10, by the way, uh, said Vice Dean Laybourne. Oh, I love, I love Vice Dean Laybourne. Yeah, I can't tell you how much I enjoy that character. I was just blown out of my socks. That's not even a real phrase. That's how excited I am about Vice Dean Laybourne. Dan Goodman came out of retirement from network television for that role. And that tells you how good it was. And again, just what a fun way to put in someone in an administrative role who's aggressively competent and to play off of Dean Pelton being the opposite in a time where he's trying to kind of find that 
level of assertiveness that he needs and to just have that that rug pulled from underneath him. And, you know, I know during that time, uh, Vice Dean Laybourne had some stuff going on and had the, you know, the ponytail. But, uh, yeah, despite that, he, he still, um, he fought the good fight. And even though he was trying to recruit Troy away, I, the character in a vacuum, fantastic. Do you think this fits the criteria we're shooting for? I do. I think, I think that's, Yes, I think that it does because he's in maybe four episodes, five at the most. Yeah, he's a recurring character, but in one season arc. Exactly. So it puts him in that kind of half dozen range that I think we've we tried to narrow this down to. Yes. I'm a huge fan. He makes some questionable choices later, although right off the bat, I think that one thing Vice Dean Laborn and I can agree on is that the goatee on Dean Pelton has to go. Uh, yeah. Although, like you just mentioned, later on in the season, he specifically has his own issues with curious hair-related decisions. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like how that plays out. The next suggestion we have is Elroy. We had a few people suggest it. One was Mike, and I'm not sure. I, okay, I am sure how I feel about Elroy. I love Elroy. I think he's a great character. 100%. My my bigger question with Elroy is how do you feel that he fits into the criteria here? Well, I very specifically and explicitly denounced him from that earlier as a member of the Save Greendale Committee. It wasn't the study group at that time for obvious reasons. I don't consider him a minor character. He gets major screen time when he is in, you know, the the sixth season. Um, maybe not the first episode. I think they introduce him in episode two, season six. But from then on out, he's, yeah, he's got he's got time and scenes with Abed and Jeff and everybody. So I, for me, he's not mine. And I, I really like that they did it that way because before I had seen season six, I, you know, I tried to go in spoiler free, but I, I was aware of the fact that they were going to be introducing two new main characters essentially into the show and I was kind of worried about halfway through watching Ladders that they were going to try to force introducing another character in that episode too and uh, we've established that I'm higher on Ladders as an episode than most people in the community but I think we can all agree had they tried to also force introducing Elroy in that episode it would have been even more of a sandstorm right so definitely and I I was trying to describe you know, this project is someone not working on the podcast with us. And I definitely referred to Keith David accidentally as Larry David. And that's a whole different show. Oh, no. um, <laughs> we did an episode earlier last season. It was one of our first half of episodes where we addressed the question of what characters from other shows would be great in community. And you and Scott brought up some great suggestions. Ron Swanson is one I will never forget. But some of the feedback we got on that video and on Twitter after releasing that episode, we had multiple people say Larry David as himself from Curb Your Enthusiasm. So uh, it's uh, something that has definitely started to come full circle. I'm not sure I can totally sign on with that, but uh, I I can definitely appreciate uh, the wackiness of that. It would be wacky. From the community, to say the least. Uh, he it would, would be madcap and he, wacky. He would have had to be the Pierce role for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. But, again, something we can probably <laughs> dissect in, in greater depth at, a, at another time. Yeah. So we both agree Elroy's great, probably outside the scope of this question, but but a great suggestion nonetheless. So the next one we have is is a two-parter from Chris Proctor, and he says Todd and Rich. We've already talked about Rich, so thanks for the support there, Chris. Uh, I appreciate you being on Team Rich with me. But uh, Todd was actually someone brought up by multiple people as well. And I think Todd might exactly fit into this. What, what do you think? I do. I agree that Todd is the epitome of this. He's in the series finale. He's in, you know, he's the highlight of the Yam episode. And he also was a, the in biology at some point earlier in that semester. They have to make a terrarium. And he's in that. So that's three solid episodes. There may be one or two more he's in, but plays a big role when he's there. And when he's not, we just forget about him. Yeah, I think that with the criteria we've established, Todd may very, very well be the king of this category. 
it's the internet is a place where everyone disagrees all the time and even when you're in a little bit of a bubble of the community community where people tend to have similar opinions um you know there's still a lot of disagreement on stuff but i gotta tell you i haven't seen any disagreement on todd uh (laughs) literally every piece of commentary or feedback that i have seen on the internet has been very pro todd well he's an american hero Literally, I mean, in fake TV, but literally. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, right? Literally in fake TV. Uh, That has got to be the takeaway from this episode. Sorry, Darcin. Who knows? Maybe maybe that'll be the name we can't figure out. But, uh, yeah, so I don't don't think we have any disagreements on Todd whatsoever. Here's one I'm going to throw at you. Way out of left field. Maybe not. Maybe this is more of an indictment of, of my perspective. But Melanie G at Melly Belly on Twitter says that with this passionate fandom I doubt any character managed to be underappreciated very true very true but I'm pretty fond of Jerry myself Jerry so he is I'm going I'm flying blind here I may be I may have uh, I may lose some credibility here but Jerry is Vice Dean Laybourne second in command right I have no idea and that's why I wanted to bring this up. I was inclined to find out, but this was such a good suggestion that I wanted to give Melanie G official props on the show for stumping both of us because I have no idea who Jerry is. An amazing. Oh, yeah. So she's right. Jerry is an excellent answer. I was. I got the name. I, I was switched a little bit there. But Jerry is the one who's trying to convince. Troy to become a plumber. Oh, That's Jerry. Yes, yes. And Jerry's wonderful. And again, he's in several different episodes during that, you know, the the air conditioning arc. And he's also, I feel like he's in a season six episode as well. And in true, like, if we talk about being underappreciated, that is the definition of it right there. Stumping two guys who have a podcast on community. So yeah, um, Melly Belly, 100%. Well done. And not just stumping us off the bat, but, you know, when we just looked it up, that's a legit answer. Like, it wasn't just some yeah. extra that appeared in a scene in season six. Like, that fits our criteria perfectly, and he was a great character from the show. So I am I am humbled, but also very excited at that suggestion. So the next suggestion we have, uh, no words, but just a meme with Magnum, or Magnum, <laughs> with magnitude going pop, pop. I, I don't know how I feel about him in this category. I'm a little torn. So if you're going to make a case for that, underappreciated is not the right word. Everyone loves magnitude no, at all times. cannot be possibly considered as underappreciated, right? Underutilized, maybe. Underknown, that, the, he's not, though. Definitely not underknown. But if you wanted to go underutilized... And again, I don't know where else you use. I'm not sure he a, was underutilized. How many more times can you pop up? Like, there's maybe in like seasons four and six, because there's a great joke in season five when Pierce's chair is left empty and Troy says, "Hey, do you guys feel weird about doing this without magnitude?" Which is <laughs> A perfect use <laughs> of him without him actually physically being there. That, that is definitely a great line. I'm, I'm going to have to say I I got to throw Magnitude out of this category. He, That's fine. He certainly fits in terms of, you know, appearing in the show. But he is probably the most appreciated and most known of all of the minor characters, right? That's probably true. Oh. Uh, sidebar. Luke Youngblood, the actor who plays Magnitude, was also in a show called Gallivant, which is about singing. It's like a musical, but it's set in medieval times. Yeah, Um, it's kind of fun. I I enjoy it, but uh, especially because Magnitude's in the show. So going down the list, uh, we've got a couple more suggestions for Elroy, which we covered, and then okay, we've got a Melly Belly and a Melly Poo. For a second, I was really questioning. (laughs) <laughs> my differentiation. Just don't put those two together okay. in a room. So we, we've covered Melly Belly, but we have another Melly who is at Melly Poo on Twitter, and she suggested Vicky Todd and Garrett, which I kind of established as that 
you know, under tier of recurring characters, but then she also throws Coogler on her list. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of Coogler because, and it's nothing against him, like, as an actor. I think that's Mitch Horowitz, right? The guy who does, um, who did Arrested Development, which is great. I'm a little out of my league here, but I recall you and Scott talking about that specifically on a previous episode. So I want to say that's correct. Fact check me later and hang me on Twitter if I'm wrong. But that character I don't really like. And I know it's supposed to be just like some 80s cool guy type archetype, really. Uh, That just never really landed with me. So I, I think it fits the definition Personally, I don't uh, I don't enjoy the character, though. Here's a very interesting one that I definitely wanted to get to. This one was suggested by a couple people, first by Jeff Jackson, at Mr. Jeff Jackson on Twitter, and he said Brie Larson as Abed's almost steady girlfriend. What do you think about that? I think she was excellent. I think the role was written very well. One of the highest points of season four was Herstory of Dance. And Brie Larson plays that character perfectly. She's excellent. I love everything about her. I think she probably does qualify. Does she come back later in the show or do they just reference her off screen? Like you said, they did magnitude before. Yeah, I think the last time we see her is in the um, that uh, VHS pile of bullets. I think that's the last time we see her, but I could be wrong about that. So that's so season five. So she spans two, two seasons. Maybe three episodes. Fewer than five, definitely. But more than one is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, between okay. one and five. It, it, all right. So I, I think she I think I think that's the wheelhouse then. Yeah, I, I, I think it counts and I think she's an excellent character. I wish that she w- would have stayed with Abed, but you know, she had to go conquer the universe. I'm not sure how that would have affected the storyline of the show, but certainly the, you know, good vibes within me wanted Abed to find happiness. So I can definitely relate from that perspective. And um, they had good chemistry as well, Abed, or um, Danny and Brie Larson did. All right, so we're getting a little bit to the end of the list here. Um, like I said, a lot of these have been, uh, you know, people suggest, multiple people suggesting the same character, which has been really encouraging. We got Agent Volers listed here, which I'll just say again, I great episode, great memes, great character, but I, I'm pretty sure she was just in the one episode, right? As far as I know, yes. Um, and perhaps had she, I'm not sure how they would have worked it, perhaps had she come back for more than one episode, um, that would be a little bit better consideration for this category, but I think that with the criteria we've established... Um, Probably not. Uh, we've got some more Todds here, some more Todds, and then I wanted to finish with this one because it, it connects a little bit to something we've said before, but also might change based on some of the things we've said today. Um, so John Heaton suggested Professor Whitman, and we've done an episode mm-hmm. on our favorite professors, you know, what classes we would take, what professors we would elect for if we yeah. were students at Greendale. But I think there actually might be a case here to have professors in this category. I'm not sure that he's underknown or underrated. Uh, but there there are a class of professors who appear, you know, more than once, but not all the time in the show. And I, I think those should definitely be considered. And I think that Professor Whitman falls into that category because, you know... It, we, we've talked, we, we did a deep dive on his first episode, but he, he appears later in the show, and I believe at least three times, maybe four. He is in introduction to film. He is also at that tribunal where they're trying Britta for trying Britta, like it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I, I'm pretty sure he makes at least one more maybe in pascal's triangle revisited he might be in there for a, a brief minute thinking about this there aren't a whole lot of professors that fall into that category you know most professors are either you know kind of there for an arc 
um, mm-hmm. or are one-offs. So, are, yeah. What other professors appear in that more than one, but not all the time? Uh, well, Slater. G- Slater. Professor Garrity. Yep. Comes back in season five to teach the Nicolas Cage class. <laughs> yes. He makes other, I think, a couple of other appearances between that and conspiracy theories. Yeah, um, that's true. So I put them in that. Ca- Who else would we put with uh, Professor Sin and, and Whitman in that professor category? I mean, obviously, Duncan is way too many times. He er, In season one, he gets a lot of screen time and then less throughout. And then randomly in season five. He gets more at the end, though. I, I, I don't know, man. We, we, we've talked about a lot of people. Uh, there are definitely some that I want to come back to at a further point. Yeah. And discuss on a deeper level. But these were some really good suggestions. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of made these categories arbitrarily. You know, some people on Twitter have even said in response to some people's suggestions on their own, like, hey, this person is too well-known or... Uh, too appreciated to be considered for this, which I found very encouraging just from an interaction standpoint. You know, we, we spend a lot of time enjoying the main characters on this show for a great reason, you know, enjoying the writing, enjoying the music. But I think there's a lot of value in taking time to focus on some of the other characters from the show because, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of characters, or excuse me, a lot of shows that had a good main cast and, you know, good writing, but you know, when you're trying to separate yourself from the best of the best, that stuff in the margins, I feel like really makes a difference. And I don't think any of these characters, you know, made or broke the show by themselves. But I do feel like many of them really contributed. And collectively, the strength of the minor characters in the show is one of my favorite parts of the show. I definitely agree. And again, it just gives Greendale a really lived in feel. Like, three-dimensional minor characters are not the norm in sitcoms. So to have all of the depth and to be able to do a an entire podcast on the strength of many of these minor characters, I don't, I don't know if we put it to account, but we've mentioned probably at least 15 characters. And that's, you know, we haven't included mine yet. Um, so we'll get up to almost 20 different characters that people really enjoy and yeah i again just really think that it makes the show feel realistic all right so is is there anyone that that we didn't mention that you, you still feel needs to be brought out here i do oh. the first i the yeah no i this is why I, you know, I waited the first one that i'll mention doesn't count i think based on our criteria because he appears too frequently but officer kakowski is incredible Yes. So I feel fine if we don't include him in this list, but I could not in good he, conscience let the uh, let this episode air without mentioning him. He 100% fits the participation criteria. My only argument would be that, similar to the likes of Magnitude, I feel like he is one of the most appreciated, most loved minor characters from the show. I feel like if you asked most fans of the show to start naming minor characters, he'd probably be one of the first people off their off their And house. that's that's completely fair. But again, I couldn't couldn't let it go without that. And you know, I wanted to kind of listen to see if I picked up on anything from the Twitter discourse. And again, feel very passionately that my favorite minor character is Annie Kim. Oh no. That's I so good. I didn't have her on love my list. Annie Kim. Yeah, no, Annie Kim is incredible because, uh, you know, when you mention how Rich is such a good foil to Jeff. Yes. Annie Kim is a perfect mirror of Annie Edison. Um, and it, it accomplishes the same thing because it really gets to all of Annie Edison's insecurities in a way that don't always come out. And it's done with a smile on her face and like she's trying so hard to be pleasant about it like you end up seeing by the end of that episode why our annie instead of annie light as jeff refers to annie kim why that's the the better character path for her to take to concede the victory the actual victory 
for combining Earth One and Earth Two's United United. What's what's the word I'm missing there? United Crisis. Nations. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Versus Annie Kim's approach, which is a very logical, straightforward, practical solution. And we kind of see there's a line of dialogue there that Annie, or a monologue, mini monologue that Annie Kim delivers, and you can see how Annie Edison, if left to her current path, is going to go down that road. So that's part of why I love that character so much. And then, because that's just one episode, she comes back and takes the role of Daniel LaRusso <laughs> from Annie Edison. And oh man, she... that's such a slow play, but that's such a great punchline. And I love it so much. Your point is very well taken. She does act even more so than Rich as a foil to Jeff. But it's not just Annie that she foils. The role of Annie Kim also really affects, I feel like, it, it changes the way that Jeff views or interacts with or kind of forces his hand in his relationship with Annie as well. Well, it does. And Annie Kim specifically asks, point blank, what, what, what's, what's your deal? Are you... <laughs> Are you friends or lovers <laughs> or father? I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's great. And it very much puts the finger on the pulse, like you're saying right there. That's good. I'm surprised no one mentioned her on Twitter. She was the last addition to my whiteboard. I'm very, very glad that that oh, was yeah. the, what, what you were holding out on me for. I was kind of afraid that by waiting to the end, we were going to have already gotten to all of your, your suggestions at that point. So... Uh, I'm glad that that worked out the way that it did. I think she's a very good character and definitely fits the criteria here. All right, joining us now in apartment 303. I could not be more excited. I know that we spent the last 30, 40 minutes talking about underknown, underappreciated characters from the show community, but now it is my great honor to welcome aboard Burf himself, Dave from seasons five and six, the Dizzy Idiot, Darson Solomon. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Welcome aboard. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know a lot of people know you from your roles in season five and six, but just to start things out, I'd really like to give you a chance to introduce yourself and maybe give some of our listeners just a little bit of perspective on some other things you've been involved in. Who are you, man? What what should we know about you? All right. So, yeah, as you were saying, you know me from Community, and I've also been on the show Victorious, actually, before Community. Yeah, that actually, um, Victorious was my first ever speaking role that turned into a recurring role, so that was pretty fun. And I kind of got into acting sort of like the end of my going to high school because someone came by for career day, was giving out business cards, and I thought, hey, you know, this might be fun to try out. Let's just see what happens. I didn't really know much about it, which probably was a good thing. So <laughs> and then, um, in my career day. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't really know much about the business, though, because I think if I did, I probably wouldn't have gone for it. <laughs> But um, I think that ignorance is bliss factor really helped me um, get my foot in the door. So I'm grateful for that. And yeah, I did Victorious. I got this big sprint commercial while I was on Victorious. And that's actually how the casting director from Community found out about me. And then she did this whole thing where she tracked me down, wanted to meet me. And then auditioning for Community was like a year long process before they found a role that worked for me. And then they kept me. That's so amazing. yeah. So it wasn't like, hey, we have a casting call to, for a student in Jeff Winger's class for season five. They they found you, is what it sounds like. Yeah, they found me during season four, and thankfully I didn't join the season four. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always yeah. safe to hit on season four, but I will tell you just. For the yeah, season four wasn't terrible. It just wasn't. Dan Harmon's community. But I, I am probably the staunchest defender of seasons five and six in the community community these days. So, Yeah, that show went through a lot of changes. So I always feel like adversity and challenges like that can um, create a lot of creativity if you have the right people involved. And I feel like they did that despite Donald leaving and Yvette having to leave and everything else. 
this is amazing. I was hoping to have one takeaway from this interview that was something I didn't know before, and now I feel like I'm all the wheels are turning for me to do a podcast of what what would happen if Dave was in season four. <laughs> oh, wow. That is definitely an insight we would not have had without you, my friend. Um, well, glad to help. So that being said, I've you know done some homework. I watched some Victorious. Uh, mm-hmm. I realized right away that it was not necessarily meant for the same audience that the people Correct. in the community. <laughs> um, yeah, no, very different audience there. Very different audience. Um, so we're definitely going to focus on uh, community and your perspective there. But I got to tell you, there were two takeaways I had from Victorious. And, you know, it's, it's not meant to be a meta commentary, but uh, I will certainly always think of you when I'm doing sit-ups. That's for sure. <laughs> Eating cucumber with corn on the cob sticks. Oh. <laughs> my, my wife is already upset for all the times I'm going to be doing that in the next <laughs> That is something that will never leave my mind. You know, someone just made a Bernie Sanders meme uh, from that episode. Oh, no. Please tell yeah, me. I just, I just, I just saw that. Well, yeah, I just saw that uh, before logging on here. That uh, boy, what a what a phenomenon that's been here too in the last two days. Yeah, like I already saw Bernie in the study room, and then someone did it with me. So that was that was great. And there was one too where he's holding a Manila in envelope, and on it it says "Final Script for the Community Movie," which. <laughs> Which, by the way, I hope you're in if that happens. So. Yeah, me too. I, I think um, we'll all probably come back, especially since Donald says, yeah, he's totally up for it. But yeah, it just depends on if Dan is up for writing it. You guys are so reading ahead right now. If I was your Spanish professor, I would uh, yell at you. I wanted to close <laughs> with that. Um, but but let's go there. We just because... teased it, that's all. No. Yeah, I, dude, we I... just teased it. Let's let's roll with that. So if we're talking about hashtag in a movie, if we go back to the actual series finale, when Jeff is hallucinating or mm-hmm. prophesizing, whichever perspective you choose, right, um, about the future of Greendale and the future committee, um, you're a part of that. So uh-huh. it would be very difficult from my perspective to have a movie without that being considered. Yeah, well, I like that take. Well, here's another one yeah, I huh. like. <laughs> um, mm, I, do you tell. Know, in, think, in thinking about that episode in particular, it's one of the most beloved episodes of the entire run of this show and the specific pitch that Jeff is making that Dave just referenced. And we've got to disambiguate because uh, you are Dave, the character and community, and my co-host is also Dave. Uh, but your character, Dave, is in one of my absolute favorite of those pitches. What was it like for you to be in such a pivotal scene there? You know, considering that your character did not have a ton of screen time, you make a pretty meta joke when you're talking to Vicky a few episodes prior. Um, what was that like to be in such an Okay, first scene? of all, that has been that um, time in the panic room. That is my probably my favorite line I've ever delivered on TV because I got the script I opened it and I didn't believe it was the script at first I thought someone had recorded my conversation in real life (laughs) oh my gosh that's incredible I was so confused I was thinking were they listening to me I've said this to someone (laughs) oh that's that makes it so much better it's an already terrific line but the fact that it has that you know, it's rooted in reality, makes it even better. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because um, because I, as I mentioned earlier, I spent about a year auditioning to get on the show. They're just um, the casting directors are just pushing me, pushing um, like read for this thing, read for this thing, read for this character, and they just kept trying and trying and trying, and finally the role of Dave comes around and they give it to me, and I'm thinking, okay, great. And I get on the show, and then there's all this talk. Um, Joel and Allison are saying to me, like, yeah, they're probably going to keep you. They're looking for someone else to add to, like, our um, recurring students. And Dan even uh, – I didn't actually meet Dan that day, but he mentioned it when I finally did meet him. But there was all this talk about, like, how, yeah, like you and Red Hair and Ski Cab, we're thinking of maybe you're probably going <laughs> to appear again. Uh, and we then probably not do nicknames anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joel and I played around with that a bunch of times. We did a lot of improv for when I was there that ended up on the cutting room floor, but we were improvising a bunch of different things, and I don't know if that contributed to them wanting to keep me, but I came back a year later. I got like two more notices for season five saying, hey, they might bring you in for this episode. Hey, they might bring you in for this episode. And then the show got canceled. And then it got revived and I came back. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you were just in the one episode in season five, right? And then we came back in season six as a recurring character? Yeah, they. I was supposed to come in for The Floor is Lava, but they ended up cutting me from the script. So I didn't come for that. I was, I'm, I'm still bummed I never got to do a paintball episode. Yeah, I actually uh, have some actual athleticism just because I've been dancing for years. So I could have done oh, stuff yeah. if they wanted me to. So I, I noticed on Twitter that uh, you've listed yourself as an actor and a writer. Coming into this interview, I did some due diligence. And by mm-hmm. that I mean I looked up IMDb, which is my favorite movie that Luis uh-huh. was in. I mean, oh yeah, that, that, that he that just killed so it in that. <laughs> but but tell me about your writing, man. Um, so writing that was something I came across a couple years ago. I just sort of started with that. So I have something I'm trying to get made right now that I'm not sharing details on yet. But it got completely delayed by the pandemic. <laughs> 20, yeah, fuck 2020, but yeah, 2020 definitely put a halt on so many plans. That was just more something like I came across that, and now I actually write as well as act. So, yeah, you'll see what I'm up to eventually. Well, we're. I know we're that's ha- such a cliche thing to no, say, but <laughs> yeah, we're always happy to to have you on and be your friend as an actor. But uh, I would probably be lying if I said that I didn't have a different degree of respect for people who you know, do the writing and execution. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely helped me in acting though, because I've gotten so many scripts and community did have a huge influence on my writing style, just cause how, how, um, clever and intricate the details of that mm, show yeah. are. But, um, yeah, with writing, you get to figure out, Oh, certain things you think might be funny might actually suck. And then you learn how to either make them funny or just abandon them altogether. And it, just gives a different insight as to how certain shows are made and what the creative process is from that end. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned too when you and Joel were riffing a little bit to try and get that scene right, like that's got to kind of play into and that has to have formed your writing a little bit as well in terms of not being totally married to this is exactly how it has to be, but having the space um, and providing uh, the room for the actors to do their job you know and and make it really pop and work yeah exactly yeah speaking of the riffing um one one of the things that joel was doing is after he said um after he gets to me he tried saying like you like black um hair or something but every time he tried it it seemed a little too on the nose and a little too racist so he thought it'd be better to just imply it Yeah, that's, uh, I, can only, I, I wish I would have been there when they were recording that scene. I can only imagine. There's actually a cut bit from the end of that after um, Annie's um, there and then Chang comes by and goes, uh, she's in your class. He was holding popcorn and Ken then eats the popcorn, starts coughing on it nonstop. And we had to cut the bit because no one, no one can keep a straight face for it. Yeah. We all kept breaking character and finally we just had to cut it. Yeah, this isn't SNL. You can't just do that. And we have to get to the real cut, right? Yeah. No, I wanted to ask you about that episode, that scene. Uh, I know we started with the, the series finale, but I will forever be a person who defends uh, episode two from season five is one of my favorite episodes from the series. And, you know, all Nicholas caging aside, um, <laughs> I wondered why you weren't in that second scene because I watched the first scene where Jeff says, Hey, you know, we're going to stop doing nicknames because he got to you. And mm-hmm. <laughs> either he couldn't figure it out or if he figured it out, it was going to be wrong or both. But as that, as that goes on, no, the but, Nicolas but, Cage? No, you weren't in the second scene, and, and that's what I wanted to ask about. So the first scene you know, has you there, and then when Annie comes in the class, you're not there. But then when they come back later in that episode for, to, to have Jeff deal with Annie being in his class, you are there again. So Yeah, so for that, I was scene? actually there. I was just, they had me sit somewhere else. 
I don't know what the um, reasoning behind it was, but I was just sitting in a different spot, and then I walk out. And um, then for when it comes back, they put me back by Garrett. Yeah, no, I was there, just I didn't end up making it on screen for that, for whatever edits they chose. Definitely glad they brought it all around. You know, we are very invested now. You know, we are a fledgling podcast. You know, I've been pretty new to Twitter. Um, you've definitely been one of the people that have engaged me and is a big part of the reason we've reached out to you. But I want to try to get your perspective here before we let you go on okay. other characters from the show that you might consider underknown or underrated or under whatever. You know, we're going to spend a lot of this time talking about Dave and, and other people from the show that fit that qualifier, but I'm very interested to hear if you have anything on that front. It's kind of hard for me to tell because not only did I join the show so late, but I kind of felt like everyone already had a presence before I got there. So, like, I remember Todd having his moments and then just watching the group slowly break him over time, and he was pretty broken by the time I got to him. Because he threatened to shove my head through a six-inch drain pipe. <laughs> I mean, he he had been pushed to his brink over the course of years, right? Yeah. And now I'm thinking about the the series finale. The um, fun fact about that: um, our shooting schedule got totally thrown off. Like it was pretty normal for us to go overtime on shooting community, regardless, just because of Dan's creative process. But for that one. I got there, it was probably about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. And right when I got there, there was a script rewrite. So I thought, okay, so I was learning the new, um, the new lines, the new scene. And then I'm sitting in my, in my room for about an hour and a half wondering what the hell is going on. And then finally, I get another rewrite, like way after that. And I see, why is Seth Green suddenly here? <laughs> So it turns out, Joel texted Seth in the middle of the day saying, what are you doing later tonight? And Seth said, um, I don't think I'm doing anything. And Joel said, you wanted to come by set at some point, right? Just pop by at 730. So he shows up and he just wanders into wardrobe wondering why he's there. And they're like, oh, so you're in the episode. And he goes, um, I have no idea. And then they're going... Does production know you're here? Does casting know you're here? And he's like, no. And they said, okay, one sec. So they call the writer's room. They hear that Seth Green is now there. So they just reworked the entire scene to put him in it. And that's what the delay was. I'll be the first to admit that I am not the expert on film and TV that many other people are. But I do kind of feel like that's just kind of Seth Green, right? I feel like that's <laughs> kind of how he ended up in all of his shows. <laughs> he just showed up, right place, right time. <laughs> I mean, even his lead roles, I feel like he just showed up on the day and was like, hey, <laughs> let's do this, right? Yeah, but yeah, no, that was a fun... Yeah, it was initially um, in one of the earlier drafts. Garrett initially threatened me, saying I was here before you and I'll be here to end you. And then they just changed it to that really awkward interaction with Todd. That's super meta for Garrett. <laughs> yeah. I considered you in that bitch. But yeah, just <laughs> Dave and Todd just, you know, sitting there. And then I get that threat. And then I just sort of... It wasn't written that way in the script, uh, my reaction. I just thought, you know what? That's a really dark thing to say. Let's just sit with it for a second. Yeah, no, and Community definitely is a show that offers you the opportunity to sit in the darkness for a second. Yeah, and that's one of the I'm things I appreciate about it. It's um, Sometimes it's a joke a minute and a rapid fire, and other times they just let you sit in those moments. And, some of and my I thought, let's absolute... sit with that, oh, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, sat with it. It worked. They, um, I think Bobcat Goldthwait was directing that episode. But yeah, they yeah. told me to just do that again. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no, some of my absolute favorite moments of this show are non-verbals. You know, you mentioned that, and there's a different scene where uh, Britta is looking on John Hodgman's paper, checking to see if the diagnosis is correct, and she just goes, "Huh," and like that just cracks me up every single time. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate moments like that in shows, where they just they don't say it; they just show it. Yeah. Yeah, the rule show don't tell. Uh, like in the bottle episode, 
Uh, and when um, Jeff says, are they seriously... There were many bottle episodes in this show. Yeah. The first one with, with Annie's pen. Uh, cooperative calligraphy, yeah. Yes. Yeah, cooperative calligraphy. Yeah, and then um, it's like a pregnancy test, and it's like, and are they seriously marketing these to black women? And it's just a picture of it saying, you know, girl. You know, girl. Oh, man. <laughs> that moment never gets old. It's really great to hear you fanning out about moments in the show along the same lines that we are. But I really appreciate your insight there. Before we let you go, I do want to cover one more thing, and that is a conversation about Twitter. Uh, okay. You're still not verified on Twitter, which... Right? What is up with that? <laughs> even for someone as green as me, I find that extremely curious, and I've done some research. I want to get your perspective, but uh, I also have a couple wacky ideas. So uh, first, I'd like you to tell us... What what you've tried? I assume you've applied, right? Yeah, when they had the previous form, I kept um, applying that because, like, for some reason, I have a German Wikipedia entry, but not an American one. I have no idea why that's the case, but okay, I tried submitting that, saying I, I'm on Wikipedia. Like, these are things I've been I've appeared in. Here's my IMDb. Here are other celebrity posts that include me in them. Here's Dan Schneider's site for Victorious, where he actually has a page dedicated to me. I don't know what else you guys need. And they're still going, nope, we don't want to verify you. Yes. And it makes no sense. I, I'm qualified. I, I, I think I'm qualified anyway. <laughs> no, you're, you're definitely qualified. I'll say that as an outsider who knows little about Twitter but has, is learning and trying. So I, what I've come across in my research is basically three different approaches, right? The first approach is credibility, which you've obviously established. If you go to IMDb, you're there. Like, your credits in acting are not negotiable. They are established. So yeah. The, the second consideration is engagement, right? You have mm -hmm. all the followers that you need to meet that threshold. You have all of the engagement, the tweets, the replies, all that stuff. So that kind of leaves us with this third ballpark, which... I'm glad you already mentioned that you were on German Wikipedia because I, I reached out to a few people. I, like I said, I'm not trying to come off as a professional here, but <laughs> I, I was trying to obtain some perspective from a couple people that I know who've been verified on Twitter, and they said, yeah, you need the, the credentials and you need the followers, but there's this third aspect, which is disambiguation, and you, you hinted at it when you said, there's a German Wikipedia article. There is not an English Wikipedia entry for you, which is... Uh, it's so confusing. Something that needs to be rectified immediately. And uh, Yeah, whoever knows how to make Wikipedia articles should get on that. I'm very sure that either someone on this recording or someone listening to it is capable of such things. And then the, the, the kind of second half of that is disambiguation, right? So mm -hmm. the people I've talked to have said, yeah, I had uh, the followers, I had the credentials, but it, I didn't get verified until people started making uh, fake accounts toward me or mm -hmm. accounts that honor me, you know, fan accounts, things of that nature. So, you know, I'm certainly not going to take this opportunity to say, hey, all of our listeners should immediately go make a fake Dizzy Idiot account on Twitter. Um, however, <laughs> however, <laughs> however, you know, if, if accounts were to pop up on Twitter that were in your honor or mm -hmm. fan accounts, that would probably help your case in terms of disambiguation. It, yeah, it might. Just saying, hey, give me one of those badges so people know that this is me. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to force you too much into self-promotion. I know that, uh, you know, we invited <laughs> you here because this was something that I found erroneous in my regular life and wanted to address. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you've, you, it seems like you've definitely done the work on your end. Um, and so at this point, it's up to the fandom. So To do the work on our end. Yes, to do the work on our end. And again, I'm not explicitly calling for anyone to do a specific thing, but, you know, should... <laughs> fan accounts, tribute accounts, uh, poser accounts start popping up, English-level Wikipedia entries, 
I think that would definitely help the cause. Yeah, it's not so much a call to action as it is a suggestion to action. <laughs> I think that's very, very much in line with uh, the show and everything we're doing here in Apartment 303. So, uh, I, I can't thank you enough, man. I know that our listeners are definitely going to enjoy this, but I have to say from a personal perspective, uh, this has been a highlight for me. Um you know, I, good. Dave is a character I will certainly advocate for as underknown and underappreciated community. But uh, I, I will say that your contributions, just as a person uh, to the conversation at large, are the the biggest thing here, and the oh, biggest thank reason you. that we we wanted to invite you on. So I just I can't thank you enough for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, just thanks for reaching out, and yeah, I'm glad we could do this. It's always fun when I get to not only meet fans, but be able to have conversations like this with people who, you know, not only appreciate the show, but also want to get to know me. That's that's always really nice. All right, that does it for today's episode. We would like to take this time to thank everyone for tuning in, everyone who contributed suggestions to the discussion, our special guest, Darsan, for taking the time to go through all of this with us. As always, Apartment 303 is available on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to email us, if you have any suggestions, if you'd like to collaborate, you can reach us at apt303pod at gmail.com. For Adam, this is Dave signing off. We will see you in a week or so for a special bonus episode of Apartment 303.